Hello and welcome back to our podcast. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be exploring what the Bible has to say about leadership. To guide us in that discussion, we're going to be using a workbook called Leadership, The Crisis of Our Time by Wendell Winkler. And we hope this series encourages each of us to grow as godly leaders in our respective communities, homes, and local churches, and also provide some instruction on how to prepare the next generation to take on that role of responsibility. If you'd like more information about the Traders Point Church of Christ, please visit our website at traderspointchurch.org. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube as well. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, hello, and thank you once again for studying along with us here on our podcast. Specifically, over the last several weeks, we've been talking about leadership, and uh, and John and I have we've talked about all different kinds of qualities, uh, different examples, biblical examples of leadership, and we've been uh, kind of following loosely on a, a workbook. Uh, that we've made mention of, and we've uh, brought ourselves to really what will be the very last episode in this series. We began uh, last week kind of talking about just some really responsibilities that leaders are going to have to have and are going to have to adopt. We made mention last week that a lot of the things that we've talked about then and for today will center around, in a lot of ways, elders in the Lord's church, but yet there are still principles that are in play. As we talked about last week, and I'm sure we'll do again this week, there are definitely still principles that come into play when it comes to leaders in all kinds of realms, whether it be in the home, within your family, or whether it be at your job or in your community. Uh, still very similar kinds of things uh, for us to be thinking about. And so we've got about three separate kind of uh, attitudes, responsibilities, things to consider that we're going to spend time for a few minutes talking about, and then we'll put a bow on this series of studies specifically on biblical leadership. And the first one is uh, the idea that as, as a biblical leader, as a leader in the Lord's church, it's going to be always important to promote some things. And, and here in the workbook, what had been laid out uh, are love and peace and unity. And, you know, it's one of those things that it's easy to say, well, of, you know, of course they should do that. That should be, you know, the easy kind of, you know, giveaway. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of practical, active things that an eldership can, certainly on the flip side, things that they can do that promotes things very different than love, peace, and unity. But it is one of those things that God demands. He demands these things on the Lord's church. He wants his people within that group to love one another. He wants there to be peace within that local group, and certainly he wants unity. He demands those things, not just wants those things. He demands those things. And for me, when it comes to an elder, he's got to then keep those specific things in the very front of his mind. And so everything that he's doing, every decision that's being made, I'm sure we'll talk about this as we dig into it. That that doesn't mean compromise the truth. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean compromise what God has said. But it certainly does mean in all decisions and in all conversations and in every choice that's made, we're thinking love, we're thinking peace, we're thinking unity. Not compromise. That It, it doesn't mean that. But we're thinking about these things right away. Yeah, and as with all situations, things like love, peace, and unity— in an environment that cultivates that and promotes those ideas starts at the top. 
Right. And, and whoever are the followers in the local church or whatever situation you're in, the followers are going to look to leadership and they're going to take the direction of their leadership when it comes to how they treat one another, how they treat other people, and, and the, the environment that exists among the followers. And so as an eldership, the responsibility lies on their shoulders to set that standard of love and peace and unity within a congregation. And really, as you mentioned, all three of those are extremely biblical topics, especially when it comes to unity, because as Christians, we are to be unified in the body of Christ. Right. And so that is that it should be at the forefront of all of our minds. We are to be one in Christ. And so an eldership has to promote that way of thinking. And so if we are to be one in Christ, it only makes sense that a local congregation must be unified in the way that we operate, the way that we treat one another. Now, again, that doesn't mean that conflict won't arise. That doesn't mean that difficult conversations won't have to be had. But the idea should be that we are constantly striving for unity in Christ. And an eldership can set that as the standard for the congregation. And the same is true when it comes to love. If God is love, then the, the, obvious, um, the obvious consequence of that is that as his followers, we embody love because that's who God is. And so our, our congregation then should embrace love and our leaders should promote the idea that we treat one another in a loving way and we take our example from God himself in the way that we interact with other people. And so a leadership has the responsibility of setting the tone in these areas, and especially when it comes to these three, these are biblical standards that God has given for his people. And as you said, the expectation is there that we are going to prioritize these things as his followers, and our leaders are going to help us do that. You know, as I was thinking about this, and, and you start to, you know, really consider, certainly in the pages of the New Testament, probably the, the two most used analogies in the pages of the New <laughs> Testament to describe the Lord's church mm-hmm. center around love, peace, and unity, right? Yeah. You have, you know, like passages in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 of the analogy of the body, the physical body, right? And the point that's made in both of those passages is one of peace and unity. I mean, yeah, that is the, right. certainly love is there as well, but it is peace and unity is that everyone is unified. Yes, there are different pieces of the body doing very different things, but yet they're all working together in the body. Mm-hmm. It is an incredible unifying picture. And so you have one analogy that's used multiple times with the physical body. Well, the other analogy that's used throughout the New Testament is the physical family, right? Mm-hmm. It is, and that's why you see the word or term brethren used so much in the New Testament. Or you see, you know, phrases specifically about God's children, right? And, and God as our Father. You see all of those things. And when you think about that, it really looks to love. And so even in the analogies that God uses to, to help us understand what his church is all about, it is love, it is peace, it is unity. That's what he wants. And so it makes perfect sense that the leaders then have to be in the forefront. They've got to be in the front of that. That's, right. That's the idea of the promoting. They've got to be in the front of that. They've got to show love. They've got to promote that. They've got to show unity. They've got to promote that. And they have to be out in the front of that. 
if they any in any way showcase discord, even amongst themselves mm-hmm. or with any of the members, everybody's picking up on that, right? Everybody's picking up on that. You see that in literal physical families all the time. A husband and wife that can't get along and fight all the time, guess what their kids are apt to do? Fight all the time because that's what they see. That's what they're all about. And it's going to be the same way in the Lord's church. And, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot. Um, You know, because of our role as preachers, we have a very visible role in the congregation, a very vocal role, literally, in the congregation. We talk a lot. And and so we have a responsibility to help our elders and to help the, the congregation by promoting that and helping us in, in the way that we structure lessons and the way that we teach on these topics to make sure that we are promoting this environment within the Lord's Church as well. So we can actually help our leaders and the, and the congregation, uh, we being part of that, we can help one another grow by taking our responsibilities seriously. And so you can begin to see how in, in a variety of different areas, wherever you may serve, you can play a part in cultivating this environment of love. And that's, you know, when Jesus, I was thinking about the the question that Jesus was asked um, when he was asked what the greatest commandment was. And his answer was pretty simple. You love God and you love others. And again, to your point, he, he is framing the entire kingdom around the idea of love. You love God with all your heart and you love others. And if we, if we use that framework to to help guide us in the interactions that we have with one another, the way we approach the world and the community around us, I look at them through a lens of love. And if I do that, then I'm going to do my part in helping preserve this environment of love that we're talking about. And that's going to make the role of a leader a little bit easier if I'm doing my part. But they still have the responsibility then to make sure that among the congregation, that's what's taking place. And as you said, if they begin to see discord or if they begin to see bickering or arguing, they have to step in and remind everyone of the environment of love that we are trying to cultivate here and why that's so important. And so they have a huge responsibility to make sure that that stays intact. Yeah, and that really is, I think, a great segue into kind of the second of three things that we're going to talk about here in this episode is that the you know they have the importance and the responsibility not to lose sight of anybody, right? Not to lose you know allow somebody to fall through the cracks or lose sight of someone out on the periphery or even the disenfranchised. You know, it's very easy to to be engaged with those who are most engaged. Mm But yet in the Lord's church, it is the pinky finger, right? It is that it is that Lord's body. That's a part of the body. And so we have to, you know, be thinking about that. Even, you know, through that section in the book of 1 Corinthians, you know, that whole section that, you know, 1 Corinthians 12 is found is about unity for the body. Mm-hmm. It's about the fact that they were struggling with getting along. They were struggling with looking at each other the same. They were struggling with pride. They were struggling with jealousy. I mean, they were struggling with all of these kinds of things. And so God sends this letter through Paul, right, to to straighten them out on that because he's not interested in a group of people that's there worshiping him and being together acting this way. No, he Mm -hmm. wants love. He wants peace. He wants unity. And everybody has to be on board with that. And for the leader, sometimes it's very easy to get focused in on the ones that are most locked in. But when we do that, we, we, we sometimes are, maybe we'll lose sight of someone else. And, and we've got to be able to stretch ourselves and our, 
our eyes, our vision as leaders to make sure no one is left behind. That's not what a leader is, not leaving anybody behind. But sometimes that's a challenge. But we're going to do that if we've got love. I mean, that's the point you just made. We're going to do that because I love that person. And I'm going to get them. I'm going to go get them even if I have to. I'm going to go get them and bring them along. And so we cannot lose sight or leave anybody behind. Yeah, the command to love isn't love the one who looks like you, talks like you, dresses like you, lives near you. And that that's he didn't put conditions like that on it. In fact, just the opposite is true. We see time and time again, Old Testament and New Testament, God makes provisions for those who are downtrodden. Mm-hmm. God makes provisions for those who are poor or widowed or orphans or fill in the blank, whatever it may be. He, he makes sure, he makes sure that that he creates structures to support those people and bring those people in and bring those people up. He doesn't want them to be forgotten or left by the wayside. And so the love that we've been talking about needs to embrace everyone. God God loves all, and he wants all to come to know him and to be saved and to be a part of his body. And there is a place and a need for everyone. And so it's important to us that we make sure that we don't fall into the rut of well, I'm going to treat these people one way, but these people who are my best friends, I treat them much differently. Certainly, we have different relationships with people. I don't mean to express otherwise, but the responsibility that we have to love is the same regardless. And that that takes work. That takes Mm -hmm, effort. And again, a leader can help set the tone for that because how do they look at those people? How do they treat those people? We're going to take our cues from them in a lot of ways. And so they have a responsibility to make sure that they're setting the tone for that and others will follow. And as a father, I have a responsibility to make sure that I set that type of a tone in my home, that that the downtrodden or the disenfranchised are welcome in our home. We love them, we embrace them, and we want to help them and encourage them. I I I have to teach my children that. And so in whatever situation it is, a leader has a responsibility to make sure that they're being a good example and, and how that love is expressed even to those who are downtrodden. Yeah, I mean, you, you made a great example. I mean, listen, the leader on this is God. I mean, this is, this is what he has put in place. You go and study the, you know, the law, uh, specifically in the pages of the Old Testament, and all of the conditions put in place specifically for this, mm-hmm. to make sure that the widowed or the orphaned or even the foreigner— yeah. Uh, the impoverished is being taken care of. Yep. I mean, very specific laws to make sure that that's the case. And then you get into the page of the New Testament, and it comes to the Lord's church, where you would think, well, well surely everybody is going to be taken care of here. Well, God still is in the forefront of that. He's yep. leading the way. So you see the example, like you know, early on in the book of Acts, where you know those who were struggling, everyone took care, right? Everyone mm-hmm. was involved in that. And then you get even more specific. You know, there in Acts with the widows, and you get into even, you know, letters that Paul writes to Timothy and to Titus, and specifically about widows and orphans and even the elderly. Mm-hmm. That these are people that it, it just God is on, He's uninterested in leaving people behind because yeah. love covers all. Mm-hmm. And so we have to make sure that we're doing that. And you made the great point that as a leader, Again, I'm out in the front of that, and so everyone else sees that, and so they're going to react then in a specific way. Yeah, and that's a that's a big responsibility to take on, to think that how you 
treat others, how you act toward others, is really setting the tone for how others are going to do the same, that becomes a huge responsibility that, that an elder or a leader in any capacity puts on their shoulders. And we talked about that last week with just kind of the weight that they bear by taking on the role of leadership. And it's a big one, but when it comes to these groups of people who are easily left behind and often left behind by the world, we have to be the type of people that are going to embrace them and show love and kindness toward them. And the elders of a local group, they have a responsibility to be the first in line to, to show that this is how we're going to do things here, and this is how we're going to do things here because this is how God wants us to do things here. These are the expectations that he has for us as Christians, that we are going to embrace those. And when we see our leaders doing that, all of a sudden that becomes a much easier task for everyone else to do as well because now you're seeing just how serious your leaders are taking that responsibility and you're going to follow suit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's take the time to talk about one other one other one before we're done for this episode and, uh, in essence, this series. And the final one that we have uh, to talk about today is the the importance of realizing that you're you're going to make some mistakes. The key you're you're simply just not you're not perfect, and and no one is. And you might say, well, why is it important to realize that? Well, I think it's most important that if I realize that I'm going to make mistakes, that I'm not perfect, I'm in a much better position to deal with that mistake when it happens. Mm-hmm. If I'm convinced that I don't make mistakes or I'm not going to make a mistake or that I'm too perfect to make a mistake, when a mistake happens, I'm not going to be equipped to handle it in the right yeah. way. Yeah. Or I'm I'm not even going to I'm going to put, you know, I'm going to be deceived about. It. I'm not even going to see it, right? But yet, if I realize that, that, listen, I'm human, just like everyone else, and and mistakes are going to happen, now I'm in a better position to deal with that. I'm in a better position to handle that. And that ultimately is the key, is how do we handle those mistakes? Do we apologize when apology needs to happen? Am I learning from those mistakes? That's how wisdom is built. We've got to be willing to do that. We understand that in lots of areas of leadership. I think parenting is the one that came you know, to my mind quickly. Certainly elders in the Lord's Church is there, and we'll talk about that. But parenting is one that popped into my, into my mind. My, my kids are much older than your kids are, so I've been parenting longer. So it's easy for me to look back and just count all of the mistakes <laughs> you know, that I've made. But, you know, listen, parenting is hard, and it's like an elder in the Lord's church. It is a full-on, 24 hours a day, on-call kind of deal, and you you don't get days off, and you don't get time off, and you've got to be on it all the time. And because of that, there's going to be mistakes made. But now how do you deal with that? Are you willing to apologize, right? It's one of the greatest uh, parenting advice that that we my wife and I received early on is when you make a mistake parenting you better be willing to apologize even if that child is small mm-hmm. to let them know listen I, we I made a mistake on that I'm going to do better next time mm-hmm. we want the, our children to apologize to us yep. you know all the time yep. so we've got to be willing to apologize to them and so that's important but then secondly just like we've made mention already as a parent you better be ready to learn from those mistakes because that same scenario is often going to pop back around. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't learn from a mistake that you made, you're going to make that mistake again. And so the same is in play for an elder in the Lord's church is that you've got to make sure that mistakes you're learning, you're handling them probably is the best way to say it. That's a more general term. 
but you're handling those things in the right way. You know, that, that has become increasingly difficult to do because we live in this cancel culture where oftentimes we're defined by our worst moments right. and, and we don't have the opportunity to, to apologize and to be shown some compassion and grace in our weakest moments. But, but as Christians and certainly as leaders or elders in the Lord's church— we have the responsibility of, of cultivating an environment where we are willing to accept apologies and to extend apologies when mistakes are made, and we offer forgiveness and accept forgiveness when that is necessary, because that's how we want God to treat us. We, we need God to forgive us when, when we do wrong, and so I need to be one who forgives and, and I need to be one who willing, who's willing to admit a mistake when I've made a mistake. That type of openness really cultivates uh, an environment of love and peace and unity that we talked about earlier because now we're all being honest with one another. We're not hiding anything from each other. I'm not afraid to admit when I've made a mistake because the environment is such that, that we understand that if someone makes a mistake and they're sincere about apologizing for that and wanting to grow from that and learn from that mistake, then we embrace them and we encourage them and we grow together as a body. That, that, that is an environment that, that promotes healthy growth and maturity in the Lord. One that immediately cancels someone the minute they make a mistake, well, growth is never given an opportunity to occur in a situation like that. And so it's important to us that I think we have to go against our culture in a lot of ways to, to really promote the idea that, no, own up to your mistakes when you make them because you will make them, as you said. I'm going to be willing to forgive, and I'm going to ask you to, to do the same to me, and we're going to move on from this together, uh, unified in the Lord. And if we can do that, that, that is where leadership truly has an opportunity to thrive because now they're not afraid of making a mistake because sometimes the fear of making a mistake can paralyze us and so right. we end up not doing anything. Well, you can't have a leader who's afraid to act. Right. You have to have a leader who is willing to do that. And when, when his followers are ones who are willing to extend grace when mistakes are made, that's going to encourage a leader to act and to take action when needed. And so we, we have to make sure that, that our environment is such, everyone is aware of that and everyone is open and honest with each other about the mistakes that we might make. Yeah, and if you have a leader who's struggling in this area, I'm telling you there's one attitude that prevents that. There's one attitude that causes a level of struggle in this area of handling your mistakes in the right way or even realizing you make mistakes, and that's pride. Mm -hmm. It is the yeah. one thing that stands in the way. And so if you have a leader that's struggling with pride, you're going to have an ineffective leader, and it's going to be that whether it's uh, in the Lord's church, it's going to be that whether it's in a family or in a community or at the workplace or whatever the case may be. Pride is the biggest, biggest problem for an effective for being an effective leader, and it, it can it can rear its head in all kinds of mm -hmm. ways for sure. But it most certainly can rear its head here when it comes to admitting and learning from a, a mistake or, or, you know, something, a decision that you, you know, you look at and think, well, you know, if given the chance, I'd do something different. Mm -hmm. Well, admitting that 
Uh, it takes a level of humility. And instead of pride, that's exactly what a good, effective leader needs to be all about. It is humility. And I love the fact that we're ending with this one because it does really, it just brings a lot of these things together and, and just really demonstrates how important all of these different aspects of leadership are. We, we have to be humble. Um, we have to be loving and kind toward one another. And we realize that the mistakes are going to be made. And there are going to be times where, you know what, I, I, we did this. It didn't work. And if I could do it over again, I would. But right now, I just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say I'm sorry. and I'm going to try and do better next time. And we can move on from that. And that shows love. That shows humility. That shows unity. That shows peace. All these things we've been talking about are, are kind of summarized in, in this because we want to create an environment where love reigns supreme, where forgiveness is extended, because I want what's best for you. You want what's best for me. We want what's best for our eldership. At the end of the day, we all want to be more like Christ and to grow closer to him. And this is part of it. This is part of it. The very fact that we are Christians is an acknowledgement that we have sinned and need forgiveness from him. And we need his love and his compassion and his mercy and his grace. And so it's only natural then that we extend these things to one another as well because I'm acknowledging the fact that I needed that from Christ. And so I think it's actually, while it seems like, man, you're kind of ending on this note of, you know, all your leaders mess up, <laughs> and, and, and there's reality there. But, but certainly I, I think it helps put this in the proper perspective that we are all trying to be more like Christ in the way that we interact with one another, and we're trying to show each other the love and the compassion and the grace that's been shown to us. Yep, absolutely. Well, we'll close the book here on this study and on this discussion about leaders, not just for this episode, but for this series. We certainly appreciate everybody who's been studying along with us. And and even though we are done with this particular series, uh, John and I are not done. We'll continue a study next week. It'll be something different. It'll be something exciting. It'll be something from God's Word, so that means it'll be something helpful. And so we certainly encourage you to come back to us next week. We'll move on from leadership, something brand new. Looking forward to it.